Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Jennifer King with Remax in Wyoming, Pennsylvania. Last year, she closed 100 transactions with a total sales volume of $19 million. Her average sales price was $191,000, of which 43% were buyers and 57% were sellers. Last year, she had a team of five members, and Jennifer closed 78 homes by herself. This year, she plans to sell 200 homes and is expanding and operates a team with nine members two sales partners, three buyer agents, three administrative virtual assistants, listing coordinator, transaction coordinator, and web development, and one team leader. Jennifer King is the team leader of the Jennifer King team. She has been an agent for 14 years. In this call, Jennifer talks about her slow start in real estate and how an investment in coaching turned it around, how she gets 84% of her business from her small database of 248 past clients and sphere of influence, resulting in one closing per every three people in her database. Her database marketing plan. Detailed discussion of her inexpensive mini golf and ice cream event. How she publicly acknowledges referrals, creating even more referrals. Her annual celebration breakfast for last year's past clients. How she achieves a super high 71% net profit margin. What she's doing to get referrals from out-of-area agents. How she uses social media to contact her sphere of influence. List of free technology tools she uses to keep it all on track. Virtual assistants. How she finds, hires, trains, and manages them. Plus team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Jennifer. Thank you. Jennifer, before we start talking about what you're doing now, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Well, that's an interesting question. I did a little bit of everything. Um, My most recent job prior to real estate was that I was actually a corporate franchise trainer for Annie Ann's Soft Pretzels. What made you decide to move from that into real estate? My father's been in the business over 33 years, 35, I think. And... I always tease him that he should have just told me I would love real estate because this is where I ended up and could have gotten here so much sooner. (laughs) But um, yeah, I eventually just decided to follow in his footsteps and here we are today. When you got started in the real estate, do you think you had a fast start or a slow start? Definitely had a very slow start. (laughs) I started very, very part-time. I had small children at the time. Um, We have four children total. 
and I started when our oldest two were babies and basically just was trying to help my father with his administrative stuff, occasionally showing a property here and there, and that was, that was my big leap into real estate. I was licensed in 2000, and it was 2005, I guess, when I hired my first business coach and went full-time from there. That's interesting. So when you decided to go full-time, one of the first things you did was hire a business coach. That's interesting. Most people don't do that right off the bat. Why did you decide to go that direction? I actually, I believe divinely, ended up at a coaching event uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, and heard this speaker, and my husband was thankfully along with me and decided it was the right, right thing to do. And it was a huge undertaking for me because I had made such a small income in real estate at that point and taking on this huge chunk of payment slash investment into my business was, I I probably spent about half of what I had made the year prior investing into coaching for a year. And it's definitely the best money I've ever spent. Was it a real estate specific coach or was it a more general business coach? No, it was a real estate specific coach. Who was it? That was Richard Robbins. How long have you been in real estate? You said 2000? Yep, 14 years. And how many homes did you sell last year? In 2013, we closed 100 sides, 100 transaction sides, which for us was 19.2 million. Was that your best year? That was our best year, yep. Congratulations. Thank you. You're in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Describe to us where that is. Sure. I have lived in Lancaster County my entire life, and Lancaster is kind of halfway in between Philadelphia and Harrisburg. I currently have my license as of two years ago with Remax of Reading, which is actually in our neighboring county, Berks County. So I've got 15 minutes to the office in Berks County and about 10 minutes to most of Lancaster County, um, central Lancaster County. So we do service uh, three counties, Lancaster, Lebanon, and Berks, and we have a lot of people who move in from the Philadelphia, New York, and New Jersey areas as well. Do you know what the population is in your market? Yep. In Lancaster County, the population is around 525,000, and about 59,000 of those live within Lancaster City. And in Berks County, we have about 413,500, and in Lebanon County, it's about 135,000. So Lebanon is definitely our small piece of the market, but Lancaster is our primary with Berks as a close secondary. So your overall market, did I get that right? It's right around a million people? Correct. Could you please describe your current real estate market? Our team's average price for last year was 191000 just about 192000 And we do a lot of middle-of-the-road middle listings. We have some higher-end, and, of course, everybody's got some lower-end as well. So we're no different on that. Our average time on market in the past year in Lancaster County, which, again, is our primary, we're down to about 65 days on market as the average for the past 12-month period. And I would say that overall, the market's been pretty stable, still relatively flat. We had about a 2% price appreciation in the past 12 months, so fairly flat. Do you have a niche or a specialization in your market? Most of our business is done from past clients or our sphere, and we do a lot of business from referrals, both from our clients and sphere as well as from other agents. So last year, that was about 84% of our business. Let's dive into that. I'd like to find out how you're getting 84% of your business from past clients and sphere of influence. How big is your past client sphere of influence database? 
Well, we've had a lot of growth in the past year. So currently our database is about 804 households. However, in 2013, having closed 100 transactions, that business came out of a database of 248. So the 804 is our current database for 2014 going forward with our new team members. Wow, that is really impressive. So if I understood that correctly, 248 or so folks that you were marketing to and you generated 84 transactions out of that, that's like maybe one in three? Yeah, we have a really strong um, database and we, <laughs> we love to spend time with them and it, it reflects on the referrals that come our way. No kidding. That is phenomenal. Let's get a little deeper into that. So if you were to look at that database, let's start with the, the last year, because I'm really curious about that last year, the 248. If you were to split that up, how many of those people were past clients and how many are sphere of influence? Oh, gosh. I don't have that split out. I would say the majority of that are past clients or repeat or people that we know definitely would do business with us. We're very hesitant to add anyone in just because we have a name and number. We, we primarily keep our database real tight with um, folks who would either do business with us personally or refer us business. And yet you just increased it up to 804. So how did you make that jump? You, you multiplied it by a factor of four, added about 600 people. Who are the new people? Well, my husband, after many, many years in construction, just became licensed in the fall of 2013. So he's come on board as a buyer agent. And in addition to that, out of necessity, with the amount of business and volume we were doing last year, I added a full-time buyer agent, uh, I believe the end of August. So they both brought their databases with them. Of course, my husband and I have a lot of overlapping friends and so forth that are in the database. And then we also had a an agent from our area who was looking to partner up with someone. So she is a 30-year veteran in the business and brought a large database with her as well. So you've increased your database by bringing on new team members, new agents. They brought their own sphere of influence. So you didn't increase your sphere of influence, your personal sphere of influence up to 800. You added your other team members' sphere of influences to get there. Correct. And we all have a common goal to continually be growing our database with legitimate leads through networking or relationships that we build and um, referrals that we make. So that's obviously the goal for everyone to continue to add, you know, bona fide leads into the database. You're looking at duplicating your success you had last year. The way you're going to amplify that was bringing in folks that had their own sphere of influence. I like that. That's, that's a way to increase without just, as you say, bringing in random people, say, taking a list of all the people that live in the neighborhood and adding them to your, to your database. You're trying to grow it more organically from the people that you're adding to your team. Yeah, and that was not um, necessarily an intended. It's kind of a side benefit of the course that we've decided to take the business, and it seems like it's going to be a really good fit for us. We do, of course, do some direct mailing as well, and we all make it a point to um, just have our name out there and you know connect with people at, at whatever level we can, everywhere we go, at dinner or wherever. So it's been good. It's been a good fit for us. Sounds like you're, you're keeping a really tight database. Do you ever remove people from your database? And if so, why? <laughs> we do. I think everyone who's been in the business any amount of time will recognize that there are just folks who maybe are not as great a fit for your business model or relationally they choose to operate differently. And 
So it doesn't happen often, but if there are clients that we have a particularly tough time with or we just feel that they're not relationally handling us well, we have let people go as clients and also from the database. Do you continue to market to people if they've moved out of your area? We do limited marketing if they're out of the area. We do stay in touch, of course, with phone calls, and we always do, for example, Christmas cards or holiday cards. So on a limited basis, if they're out of the area and we know they're not coming back, we want them still to remember our name, but we don't make a priority of mailing to them every month or anything like that. How do you track your database? Are you using a a certain type of software? We actually use the Lead Street system, which is through the web provider from Remax International. And that was a conscious choice I made in the past. I've used Top Producer. I did a little bit of time with Realty Juggler and also the Wise Agent. And although I found them great, I just really was looking to simplify my life. So I've spent a lot of time and energy in the last few years when the market turned, really trying to simplify and pull things into a single unified system so that every time we need to add someone or remove someone or update someone, we're not trying to do that in three or four or five different systems. So we use the Lead Street system, and then we also kind of partner that with our Google, our Google contact database as well. Let's talk about how you're staying in touch with your, your past clients and your sphere of influence. Could you walk us through your, let's say, your annual, your one-year marketing plan. What are you trying to do during that year? How many contacts? Are you making phone calls? Are you sending out letters? You know, what exactly are you doing to stay in front of these people? We have a variety of different touches, and we try to mix up our events to appeal to everyone so that we're not just always catering to certain types of clientele. For example, We do mailers. We have several neighborhoods that we farm, which came in with our most recent agent to the team. And so we picked up on her farm neighborhoods. But in addition to that, we also mail to our database. So at least six times, six to 12 times per year, people are getting the monthly touch from us, which is a direct mail piece. And then we also do like an entire database event twice a year. And then in addition to that, for 2014, our goal is to do two smaller events, and those are reserved for our best referring clients or clients who've done a number of transactions with us. So that can be a more intimate setting. The last time we did that, we just kind of did an hors d'oeuvres, appetizer, and wine event, and it went over really well. So you got mailers, you have events. Did you say you're also making phone calls? Yes, we do. We try to follow up with everyone once per quarter. Ideally, that does not always happen, but we do try and at least touch base a couple times per year by phone call with everyone in the database. Let's break some of that down. Let's talk about the mailer. You said it goes out six to 12 times per year, but you also said it's monthly. So are you on a a set program that you're going to send? Are you sending it out every six weeks or something? I'm trying to get a picture of what you mean by that. How often is it going out? Yeah, we changed our plan a little bit. In 2013, we were doing a monthly mailing piece to our entire database, and we felt like it was important because of our recent move to a different office to kind of emphasize the fact that we're working multi-counties. And in working the tri-counties, we really tried to implement that into our marketing pieces. So we did a lot of just listed, just sold specific to our team's properties, of course, And that kind of highlighted for our database where exactly we're working. And we found that we did get a lot of calls all through 2013, again, saying, 
oh, we didn't know you could sell a house here or there. Well, I know someone. So that was very effective for us. This year, we've kind of regrouped and we felt like we hit our current database very heavy in 2013. So we're backing off just a bit in 2014 and going to an every other month schedule. So we've actually got all of our marketing pieces already in hand for all of 2014 and we're doing them on a rotational basis. So our neighborhood and farm mailers and some of the team members' smaller databases go out one month, and then the following month it's a different group from within the database. So everyone in the database is getting mailed at least six times per year. You said you've already got that figured out and mapped out what you're going to send. What are you going to send every other month? This year we went to a more generic marketing piece. We're actually using Gail Boswell's system with Stay in Touch Systems. She's got beautiful, beautiful postcards, and each one can be customized. So we have our team displayed on every postcard mailer that goes out. And it also has something specific to that month. And then, of course, it also references and asks for referrals. So we're going to see how that goes. We do add in a lot of personalized pieces, both for our client events and also We do a celebration breakfast annually for clients who closed the year prior. So just there's a lot of personal touches in between that. So we're going to see how that works for us this year. Last year, when you had that really great success, did you say you were sending out just listed and just sold cards at least once a month? Every month. And that was not too well. We did do direct mail to the neighborhoods that we were listing in and selling in. However, we also did that piece specifically to our entire database. So every month they would have pictures and addresses of the properties that we would sell. Another piece that we found on there that works really well for us is we added a phrase saying, many thanks to our best referring clients and customers, and we would list their names. And we found that that was a huge hit because everybody wanted to see their name in print. (laughs) So our referrals went way up in 2013, and I believe it was partly due to just using that simple phrase on the mailing pieces to the database. That's a great idea. You're acknowledging the referral in a public forum. Absolutely. And then we would do the same thing, for example, on social media, you know, many thanks to this person for referring. And of course, we try and keep it just a first name. So it was anonymous, but we could still tag that person if it was someone that we knew would be okay with that. Will you continue that this year in your mailers, the referral thank yous? Yep. You mentioned it a couple times that you brought in an agent who had a, a farm. How many homes are in this farm? I don't have those numbers in front of me. I'm going to say it's about, it's about 400 homes total in multiple neighborhoods. That is part of the 804 households that you have in your database? That is actually not. That is aside from that database. You really don't know what the success will be in that farm yet, because that's a pretty new development. You just brought that agent on, and they brought their farm with them. Correct. However, she's had great success there, and I believe that we'll be able to duplicate that, possibly also increase that. We already have a listing coming on in the next week, which is a direct result of her efforts in walking the community with flyers for a just-listed property. She really does a specific niche in our market area as far as the towns that she serves, and it overlaps strongly with ours. So after bumping shoulders for many years, it's a pretty cool thing to actually be able to partner up and do this stuff together. So I think that that's definitely going to be an area of growth for us in 2014. Let's talk about the events. 
you're running two events a year for the entire database. And this year, you're going to add two more events for, say, your VIP, your best referrals. Uh, These are some smaller events. Walk us through what you're doing for your events and, and how you're promoting them. Well, we always do a personalized invitation. We kind of partner them between email and direct mail so that everyone is sure to receive them. And the large events are meant to just be a fun time together, of course, to remind people that we're always there to help them with any questions or needs that they have, and, of course, for referrals as well. Last year, we did a mini golf and ice cream afternoon, and that was a big success. So we intend to do that again this spring. We've already got that booked. And then I'm not sure quite what we're going to do for the fall. We've in the past done a picnic. We've also done a local recreation center and rented it out for a Sunday evening and had the pool open and the basketball courts and different contests set up, diving for dollars and everything. And we always try to tie in like a Children's Miracle Network child or another charity that, you know, as people do things, they can also gift money to those charities. So it's been a great thing. And then on the smaller scale, again, we're trying to just find ways to connect different of our clients also with each other. We find that a lot of our best referring clients have referred other clients who turn into best referring clients. So it's pretty cool to be able to connect them with one another at events. And I think it kind of also justifies to them, wow, this is, you know, another one of my friends who also refers business to them. And and it just really has seemed to work very well for us. The two events that you're going to do for your VIPs this year, what do you have planned? We have a another like wine and hors d'oeuvres locally and then for our second event that will be later in the summer or in the fall and we're trying to decide between either dinner and a show like maybe a Broadway show or a bus to New York City for the day. Not really sure yet. Don't have that totally fine-tuned. Have you selected or pulled out the people that you're going to put into this? Uh, I labeled it VIP. I don't know if you labeled it something else but this exclusive group We do. We kind of monitor closely those that give repeat referrals or clients who've done a lot of business with us. And that's really, you know, if they've done at least two referrals, I won't say there's no one in that group that's given just one, but certainly our hope is that we continue to grow that. And that's kind of how we choose who belongs in there. How many people are in that VIP group right now? We've got probably... Of our 248 database, we had about 50, and we are still fine-tuning now that we've got the larger database, which of those people also need to be imported into that. Let's go back to your large events. You had 248 people that you invited last year. How many people would show up to each of these events? We typically have for our client events somewhere right around 100, 120. So it's a pretty good turnout. That's not households, that's actual people. So it's just, it's really hard to find a time of day or a time of year when it's going to work for a lot of people. For example, when we've done our picnic in the past, there are, you know, kids sports and things going on. So it's, it's hit or miss. You're never going to capture everyone, but our point is to, to make sure that they know that they're welcome and the valued part of our business. Let's take one of those events. Let's take the mini golf and ice cream event. It was successful last year. You're going to do it again. Walk us through the promotion to notify people and get them there. So how soon before the event starts do you need to start marketing and getting the word out? And what specifically do you do? 
You said you have email and you have direct mail. How many of those are you sending out? What does it say inside of them? And how many times are you sending it? What are you doing to get people to your event? We do a mailer right up front. And again, for 2014, we're changing things a little bit. We're trying to hang on to the pieces that worked best and then, you know, change up the ones that we felt we could have done better. We had sent a direct mail piece, which was a postcard with the event details. And we did not in that first one say an RSVP date because we sent that probably about two months prior. And then as it got closer, we sent an email blast to the same group And then we also make it a priority to go back and call through to see who's actually coming once they get that second, most of our clients have email. So once they've got that email, if they haven't responded, you know, our assistant tracks all of that and then he lets us know which people from which database have not yet responded and then we try and call through them personally to make sure that they know they're invited and try and have an ID on headcount. So the email blast goes out, that has a RSVP. How soon before the event do you send the email? I think we did the postcard about two months prior and the email blast, that was about three weeks prior. I tried to keep it fairly tight, but we needed to also be able to advise the facility that was hosting us what to expect. And then anybody who hadn't responded, you made a phone call to the, just invite them? Correct. Are you doing the RSVP by just a personal phone call? They call up your staff or do they go online and fill out a form? How are you doing that? We accepted them however they would give them. We gave our main office number, which is voicemail that's checked by my assistant. And so he tracked everybody that called in that way and then would follow up you know, to acknowledge that he received their RSVP or we would acknowledge that. And we also did allow them to email again to the office email address and they would intercept that and make sure that they kept accurate counts on the people that had responded. So then you get a count, you're able to tell the facility how many people you have the event. I'm going to come back to the event itself. After the event, do you make any additional contacts with your database to let them know about the event? We do. We always do a social media post. We have a team Facebook page, for example, so we'll do an album in there of different pictures from the event, and we post those. We, we sometimes have in the past done a mailer. We didn't do that at this particular event, but we've done a mailer already with different pictures and just noting the different things that happened and what the events of the afternoon were, who won the door prizes, and all of those things as well. Have you noticed that either during the event or right after the event that you're receiving business because of the event? We absolutely do. And we have also made our clients very welcome to bring others with them. Many times we find that they've got friends or family who are thinking about moving to the area, don't know anyone, or just are in town for the weekend. And we say, absolutely, we'd rather that you come and bring everyone than not come because we've got company in town for the weekend. So we really get a good, good turnout and lots of great camaraderie between the clients who get to keep bumping into each other at these events. It's a lot of fun. Let's talk about the event itself, the day of the event. Let's talk about this mini golf and ice cream. What day do you choose during the week and how long have you set for the time of the event? Well, it depends on what we're doing for the event. We typically arrive at least an hour prior as a team to set up and I'm always wanting to make sure everything goes off without a glitch. So I'm usually there much prior to that even. (laughs) But we try and remember to get a group picture 
of the team when everybody's there. We kind of set the kids loose with cameras as well so that they can be, you know, taking nice client pictures and stuff of everyone doing their different things or eating their ice cream or whatever. We do a Saturday afternoon, and this year we're going to do May. We did our mini golf and ice cream actually in the fall of 2013, so we're going to switch that to a spring event this year. On Saturday, what time slot do you pick? Do you start at 10 in the morning, 1 in the afternoon? We do 2 to 4 because we try to fit that in after lunch is over but before everybody's hungry for dinner. seems like everybody's happier that way and content with their ice cream. We kind of learned that the hard way by everyone needing to like order sandwiches and things from the snack bar. So we've tweaked that again for this year, and I think that's going to work out beautifully. Tell us about the, the flow of the event. I'm trying to picture it. Do you have everybody meet in one room or one space? Do they come in one at a time and you put them out on the, the mini golf course? How does that work? Do you make an announcement to everybody? Do you meet them at a table and hand them out uh, name tags? You know, How does that flow work at the event itself? That's a great question. We actually have chosen to go with a small family-operated business who is just super accommodating and so friendly with our group. And so what we do is they've allowed us to place REMAX signage on the property. So we kind of do our little directional signs with balloons because it's, it's in a little bit of a difficult area to find. So we direct them, you know, from the highway into where they need to be. And then once they come in, we've got balloons and everything at the door that they enter the facility. And then the owners have actually allowed us space to set up tables and we have our t-shirt giveaways, and we have our sign-in, our name tags, and everything like that for them to get up front. And then at that point, we give them their tickets. Once they've signed in, they go out, turn in their ticket, and play their round of golf, and then they come back in for their ice cream. So when they come back in, we get to chat with them further. They come back to us and get a ticket. And we did branded glasses last year, which they got their ice cream or their spree soda in. And so they would come back and pick up their glasses and take those over to the counter and you know, then they could sit inside and visit or outside in the immediate area there. So we didn't do anything real formal, but we just spent a lot of time as a team making it a priority to get around to speak with as many folks as we can. And we always love connecting people. So again, as we would find, you know, this certain family was from this school district. Oh, I bet you wouldn't even have met your neighbors yet. These people live five minutes from you. And it's just a lot of fun really seeing people connect and making, making those interactions between themselves. That's a great idea. That golf course, it has a natural flow of folks. You're meeting them as they come in, and then you're meeting them again as they come out. And you're able to kind of meet them one-on-one rather than as a giant group. So it's a little more personal, and yet you're able to see a lot of people within that two-hour window. That's a pretty smart setup. Yeah, it worked out very well. Our team actually, you know, most of us have children as well. So we took our kids and kind of the kids went through and played their golf before everyone came, and then they could be our big helpers for the day. So they were helping with sign-in and name tags and everything. But it gave us a lot of time for the team to float around the golf course because it's not a huge course and interact with clients or introduce themselves. And then again, when they came back into the ice cream, you know, it was not at all uncommon to see some of the team members sitting down and visiting with their clients. So this was really cool. You also mentioned you have the gift. At the end, they have the ice cream, and it's in a a branded glass, something they can take home. What's on that branded glass? We just have the Remax logo and then our website on there. And then we also did branded T-shirts with all of the team names 
and the website and the phone numbers and everything, of course, so they have something that they can wear, whether they wear it to clean their house or wear it out in public. It's great exposure for us, and everybody loves having a T-shirt to take away. Do you give a T-shirt to everyone who attends? Correct. Ah, okay. I thought there was a drawing or some kind of contest. No, we do drawings for gift cards. Um, Sometimes we'll do contests between them of whoever has the best score on different games that we have or Sometimes we'll do a trivia type thing, and if they figure out, whoever figures out the most answer. So we do a lot of those types of things, and oftentimes our lenders have pitched in as well to do some of those donations for the gifts. Do you get your vendors to participate? Do they show up? They do, and that's always a great time, too, because as you know, in the business, you don't always get to meet everyone that you work with, so it's fun to meet the lender who you maybe have never met face-to-face or see the title person again who closed your transaction. So it's a good time. You mentioned that the vendors participate. What are they doing? Are they buying the gift cards or, or how are they participating? We've had them participate in a variety of ways. In the past, it's been mainly like door prizes or drawings or things in that nature. This year, one of the vendors that we do a lot of business has offered to participate in the advertising of the event. I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like yet, but some of what we're working on right now. So I think it's it's good to ask for that. You know, we as agents give a lot of business out, and I think it's appropriate for our partners to also be able to give back, and that benefits them as well. Do the vendors get to put up signage? Absolutely. Yeah, they typically come with their own branded signs and, and goodies as well. So. You've got a pretty small group. It's uh, 248 people. Do you ever forget anyone's name? How do you make sure that doesn't happen? That is a great question. (laughs) Especially as our team has grown, I realize there are clients who have closed within the team that I've never even met. And so we handle that in a couple different ways. First of all, we make sure that we're all very familiar with the RSVP sheet so that we know who to expect. (laughs) And everyone is always on the lookout for their quote-unquote own clients that they work directly with so that they can also introduce them around the team. And then we do a sign-in and name tags as well. So that seems to work fairly well and keep everybody comfortable and we don't forget names. What's been the overall cost uh, putting on this mini-golf and ice cream event? That was actually relatively... Inexpensive. I would say, on average, our client events would typically spend anywhere from eight hundred to three thousand, depending on the event. And so, the ice cream was on the low end of that. Was maybe eight hundred? Yeah, I think it was a little more than that. Till I figured in all of our our marketing pieces and so forth. But yeah, that was. They gave me a flat price, which we negotiated based on the number of people we had coming, and that included a round of mini golf, ice cream, and a free soda. So we were able to pay on a per-person basis. And then they also gave us additional price breaks for children, which, of course, at an event like that, you have a fair amount of children. So that does definitely count. At, say, the mini-golf event that you had last year, did anyone give you a referral? We did have several referrals come out of that event, yes. And so that paid for it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it created great goodwill with all the folks that were there, plus all the people that you invited and told about the event afterwards, even if they didn't make it. That's correct. Mm -hmm. It must be working for you because you just added two more events this year, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and we also did an event bringing in the new team member with her database. We did an event like a celebration 30-year type event, which she hosted for her clients and had the whole team present so that she could introduce the group and 
that was also very successful. So that was exciting too. You mentioned earlier that you have a annual celebration breakfast for the folks that had closed the prior year. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, we just started that and intend to carry that on as an annual event. I stole the idea from a dear friend of mine who's with a different brand in the business, but we're great friends and she freely shares what works well for her as well. And so we've started doing in November, December, we do invitations. And then in January, we do this celebration breakfast for everyone who closed business with us in the year prior. So that was a fun time. We had really bad weather, unfortunately, on the day of our breakfast this year. (laughs) So we still had, we were very pleased with the turnout. We had 63 people come out for that event which considering the weather and the 100 transaction sides, many of whom did not even reside, I shouldn't say many, but there were a fair number of transactions we closed where the clients had already moved out of state and so forth. So we didn't know really what to expect, but we were very pleased with that turnout. Where did you hold that event? We had that at a local restaurant next year. I think I'm going to move that. I already have plans in place to move that to a local golf club because in January they're thrilled to have that business. And they've got a big banquet area that's just going to be a lot more accommodating for a larger group of people, which I anticipate that we're going to have. What was the cost of that event, the the celebration breakfast, just in ballpark? We did it at a local like Amish Mennonite breakfast buffet type place. And so for all of their breakfast buffet food, as well as tips and drink, it came out to around eight fifty, I think, per person. And the golf club will be right around nine fifty per person. Was it kind of in a room off by itself? It wasn't in the restaurant with everybody else so that you could actually visit and talk to everyone? Or were you in the restaurant itself with everyone else? No, we were in a separate room. And that was just a great time. We had a number of our clients who have relocated to the area come to that breakfast. And it was so much fun to connect them. We found, and it was fun for us to go from table to table because we would hear often as we'd go from table to table, you'll never guess what they did for me or guess how this team served me. You won't believe what they did for us. And it was just really cool to hear all these stories because you can do only so much self-promotion, but when your clients are so happy and you've gone above and beyond, it's really cool for them to be able to exchange stories like that. So we just find it builds a really great camaraderie within the database. And for people who are new to the area, it also helps them associate with other people in their immediate area, which is a, a neat side effect of these events. Each time you've talked about the event, you've mentioned the word fun, so you're enjoying it. You are the focal point, which is exciting, of course, but you also mentioned this networking between the people at the event. Uh, there's so many wins coming out of this thing. It's huge, and I found that initially in the past, when before I had a team really and I would do these events, I always had a great time, but I was also very overwhelmed because I was the only common denominator. <laughs> so I learned very quickly to try and do games, you know, based on, all right, who lives in this zip code or who lives in this school district or, you know, find three people that live, you know, we'd look at our RSVP list and come up with trivia questions, find three people that live within your school district or whatever. And it just makes them kind of go a little bit outside their comfort level, but also helps us to watch them connect. And after all, that's what we all do for a living. We connect people with the house that's right for them. So it's so much more fun even to connect them with people that also can become friends. And we've seen seen some really cool friendships and stuff develop out of this as well. So it's, it's just been a blessing. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV. 
Real Estate Agent Lead Generation Television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. The celebration breakfast, you're in a room with all these folks. It's a little different than the mini golf. You kind of have them all right there at one time. Do you make a prepared speech or do any kind of speech to the folks? We do. However, we've chosen this year to do it as a drop-in over a two-hour period so that it was not quite as overwhelming with everyone walking in all at once. So we more or less, rather than doing, again, like a general announcement or whatever, we kind of spent time table to table just interacting with people and reminding them how much we appreciate their business and that most of our business does come from referrals. We also, of course, had gifts for everyone, little gift bags we put together. So everyone got to leave with a gift and, again, just hopefully some new relationships formed. And it was a great time for us to thank them for their business and let them know how important they are to us, even for questions and things going forward. I think sometimes... We're afraid to put that out there, but we really, we do care about our clients and we don't want to be just a transaction that's happened for them. We want to be a lifetime relationship and be able to help them as they have needs for contractors or refinancing or anything that we can do, even during the course of their home ownership when they're not selling and buying. It sounds like you create more of a mingle environment where you and your team work around the crowd and and meet with different groups of people rather than say, a presentation at an auditorium where there's someone up on the stage giving a speech to a, a large group, you're more of a mingle situation, more of a network situation. That's what we find to be comfortable for us. We've done movie events in the past, and that is more of a stand up and do your presentation before the movie begins type thing. I don't know. We're just kind of still playing around for what events we like the best and where we feel we get the most bang for our buck as far as time spent with clients and really being able to connect versus just having people come in and out the door. And it was nice to see their face, but you didn't really have a chance to talk with them. Well, those events sound fantastic. You also mentioned you're making four calls a year. When are you making those calls? Are they on specific dates or during specific times? Are they more general? And what are you saying during those calls? They are more general. We're always reminding people that we're here to help with whatever they may need. I have my assistant send me a list quarterly of who I should be calling. It doesn't always work out to be that. We've tried to incorporate into our business a practice of, for example, if you're going to a certain town, we have our databases sorted by zip code. So if you're going to a certain town for a 6 o'clock appointment, maybe you arrive by 5.15 and you have time to just pop in real quick and, and see someone you know, the key to that we have found is leaving your car running and your car door open in the drive (laughs) (laughs) so that you're not spending an hour there, but just a quick, Hey, I was just in the neighborhood. I I don't need you to invite me. And I just wanted to let you know, I'm thinking of you. We really appreciate you. And if there's anything we can ever do to help, you know, please give us a shout. We don't all, we're not always comfortable with just showing up at people's houses like that. So we also try and make it a point for example, when you drive through their community and you see that they've painted their front door, or they've changed the shutters, or they've planted some new trees, just to pick up the phone and say, hey, we were in the neighborhood and we saw that you did this. It looks great. And, you know, we'd love to chat with you. Give us a call sometime so we can catch up. So we do a lot of those types of things. It's very, very general overall. We're a pretty friendly group and we just enjoy connecting with our clients like that. When you're making the phone calls, is it all business where you say, hey, this is a business call? 
you know anyone thinking about buying or selling in the next 60 days? Or is it more a friend relationship type of call where you're just talking about whatever's happening? We all are fairly active on social media. So when I have a list of people to call, I'll often pull them up on Facebook and kind of see what's going on in their life. So if I see that they're you know, their son just got an award for something that can be part of my call. We note that in the database as well so that we have record of what we spoke with them about. But overall, we do like to ask for business, of course, like everyone else. But we try not to make that be the only reason for our call. And again, it's, it depends when I'm doing kind of my power hour and I'm on the phone for an hour making lots of calls. Those are pretty quick calls, just touching base and letting you know, don't forget if you know anybody, I'm here. We do a lot of instead of if you know of anyone, we try to say when you know, when you hear of someone. You know, a lot of times people have life change, death, divorce, family moving in, any type of life change. We're here to help with that and make it easier for you. So keep us in mind. And and that's more the, the direction that we go with our calls. And again, I think it's just a preference. I think it's a great idea to do that quick research on the social media, see what's happening in their life and comment on that as you're making your call. Address that and and make a connection. It seems to work very well. I mean, we do not sit at our computer for hours on social media, but again, using that as a guide to give you a reason to pick up the phone and call does work very well for us and the clients love it as well. And I know I've heard in other of the calls that you've done of people saying, you know, to comment or to like statuses. I totally agree. We do that as well, but, you know, we kind of also use those venues for prompts for our phone calls, if you will. Did I understand correctly that you're also getting referrals from other agents? We are, and we had a pretty good percentage of that in 2013. We have spent some focused time figuring out where people are coming from who are moving into this area, and then we go online and kind of look at who are the agents in those areas that are doing business, because they're probably also the same agents that are referring to our area. And so we've been very proactive with that and that's worked very well for us just in looking up, again, who are the producers at which different companies in those areas and then making a phone call or mailing cards or some of each. And that's just worked out very well for us. It's amazing how many times people say, oh yeah, as a matter of fact, we do have clients fairly frequently looking to go in this area or that area. So that works out very well for everyone the whole way around. How did you do that research to find out where people are moving from that are moving into your area? Well, we reference the the annual report that comes out from NAR that goes through statistically what to look for and so forth. We also use Google Analytics on our website, and we can actually see demographic-wise and also geographics on where people are coming from that are moving into this area. And because of our location, we're much more reasonably priced typically and much more favorable taxes than some of the surrounding areas, for example, Philadelphia. So we do have a lot of people who come out from those areas looking for more house for the money, less taxes, better lifestyle. I'm using their words. (laughs) It's just worked well for us. So you saw that trend, and then you went to the market. In this case, Philadelphia would be one of them, and you found the top agents in that area. Did you call them or mail them or email them? How did you touch base with them and present this idea of the referrals? We do some of both, and then we also keep a tracking sheet 
with intending to implement in 2014. We kind of tracked very closely in 2013 who exactly were the agents that referred, where did they come from, what's working, who did we actually close business with, who did we get just names and numbers and they weren't really great referrals maybe. But we try and follow up directly then with each of those agents. And same thing when we go to, you know, our franchises, regional events or so forth, we look for people who are producing in other areas surrounding our area because there is a lot of natural flow back and forth between the states and the cities that allow us to to grow in those areas as well. You mentioned to me that you like using technology and like using a lot of free services or inexpensive services to help push your business forward. If I recall, you have pretty much a, a paperless office or that's a goal that you're you're shooting for. Could you tell us some of the tools that you're using to make that happen? Sure. We have been paperless probably coming up on five years. That came about through a connection that I made with a dear friend of mine at the REMAX International Convention who introduced me to this brilliant young man who had developed a paperless system for his parents who were brokers as well in the business. And so through meeting him, I explored that further, ended up implementing his system, and now at an office level, our entire office has moved to that paperless system as well. So everything that we do is scanned in. We do not maintain paper files. It makes it absolutely possible to work globally from anywhere, any point in time. I don't ever carry anything with me to settlement because if I need something, I can pull it up on my phone and email it to the title agent. So it's just been, that's been a huge asset. Is that a piece of software that you're using? Are you just using kind of the concepts that you learned from that young man? Or is there a company that you're using to help facilitate that paperless environment? Yeah, that particular company that we use is called Paperless Pipeline. And I believe it's just paperlesspipeline.com. And it really is our complete electronic file. And they, of course, everybody has concerns always about backup and everything. We have never had any issue. They've just been absolutely fantastic. And we love the accessibility that that gives us. Are you doing all your transaction management there then? We are. Our office has their own checklist of items that they need to be turned in for listings and for sales. And so obviously we have to turn in those pieces of paperwork, but we really, our team does not choose to use another software to hold documents, if you will. Everything goes in our files so that we have a complete set of everything right there. How much is it costing you to have this paperless pipeline for your team? Are they charging you per person, per agent, per team? How's that work? They actually are not. We are very blessed with a broker who provides that as a service to the agents, and that is a new change that we brought with us, the introduction to the company when we moved here. And our broker chose to explore that and did implement that at a company level. And we do not pay for that. That's provided at a company level for every agent here. So you were able to to zero cost that for yourself. Absolutely. And it works out beautifully for them as well because they've seen a huge reduction in costs. What other tools, what other technology tools are you using to run your operation? Well, we use Google very heavily. We use the free. I, I am aware that there are Google apps for business. We have chosen not to go that route. We use the free version of Google Calendar and Google Contact. We use Google Voice, which is a free phone number as our main office number. And we have just found that those products work very, very well for us. We do have virtual agents that 
work with us, and that enables them also to access everyone's calendar and contact um, email if needed and so forth, and that's been a great fit. So that's one of my favorite tools that we use. And then, of course, there's a ton of others for all different <laughs> all different systems. If you have a need, we can figure out what, what product works for that. And we try to keep it simple and streamlined as much as possible. Sounds like you pretty much run your operation in the cloud over there on Google, and you have this calendar, contacts. I, I think you mentioned Drive, Voice. Well, you're really using a lot of their tools. And you mentioned you're, you're using all the free versions of those. So you haven't run into an issue where you have too uh, large of an amount of data where you have to move into a paid version? We have not. We do use Dropbox very heavily, and we use that for all of our listing photos. And we have not come into a situation where we need to pay for any of that. And I guess for perspective's sake, in 2013, we had anywhere from 30 to 45-ish listings at a time. So, and those we use strictly a professional photographer. So those are large files. So there are ways to make it work. I think we had one instance where we got tight on storage and we pulled a couple files onto the computer and then put them back in Dropbox. When we, cause when we close the file, we delete the photos off as well. No, we have not had to pay for any of those. By managing and keeping the Dropbox file cleared out, you're able to continue with the free version and not have to pay for that service as well. That's correct. I think we tend to hang on to a lot of baggage that we don't need, which is just more to go through. So we've made a real strong effort to be very streamlined and keep what we need for as long as we need it, but not any longer. Do you use Hootsuite? And what is that? We do. We love Hootsuite. One assistant, his job is everything web-based and also social media. So he handles that for us. And Hootsuite is basically a platform where you can post to multiple social media sites all at one time instead of having to go individually on to the different sites. And again, I know there's a paid version. We don't use a paid version. We use the free version. And it's just Hootsuite.com, H-O-O-T-S-U-I-T-E.com. I assume you're also using DocuSign? We do. We love DocuSign. We started using that around the time we went paperless. We're probably about five years in on DocuSign And it works so beautifully. We have been able to salvage transactions that would have otherwise been delayed. We have had clients sign paperwork in airports, in entertainment, amusement parks, while they're waiting in the roller coaster line, (laughs) Um, spouses in different locations. It just is a great, great tool. Highly recommend it. Any other free electronic software type tools that you're using in your business? We do some files on box.com. The format's just a little bit different. I use that basically for sharing of folders on, for example, we have a property at the beach that is a rental property, so I can share an entire file from there. You can now do that on Dropbox as well. We also heavily use Skype for our video interview process with our virtual agents and also for instant messaging with the virtual agents. And... That's probably about it. Tell us about your team. I know you've grown quite a bit just recently. Last year, you had a smaller team when you closed the 100 transactions, and now you're, you're looking for some more growth. But could you describe your team? And what we're looking for is your current team, their titles, what they're doing, 
And you can also mention to us, as you're going through each one, who is with you last year and who is not. My sales partner, Paul Wenger, is my father, and he's got a ton of experience under his belt. I'm embarrassed to say I don't know his exact years. I think he's around 34 or 35 years in the business, and he does work with sellers and buyers. So he was with me full-time last year as well. And in addition to Paul, we have another Paul who is working with us, and he is a part-time buyer agent. And I know a lot of people are not crazy on part-time agents. This one has been a phenomenal fit for us. We just he's, he's fantastic. He's been great. Clients adore him, and we just love having him on the team. So the amount of business that we closed last year was essentially done between the three of us as agents. And then I also, at the beginning part of the year, had hired a virtual assistant, and he was handling all of the listing side processes as a listing manager or a listing coordinator. And then partway through the year, we also added, we transferred him over to transaction coordination, and he hired someone else for me and trained them as the listing manager. So at that point, we had the two admins both full-time. One is listing coordinator, one is transaction coordinator. Myself, my father, and Paul are part-time buyer agent. And then since that, we added out of necessity because we were so crazy busy. Last end of summer, we added a full-time buyer agent, Tim, and he is with us as well. So that's been a fantastic addition to the team. And then we also added my husband who decided to get his license after many years in the construction business. And he is now a full-time buyer agent as well. And then as of January 1st, actually, let me back up. We did add a web development and SEO slash social media virtual assistant. He is part-time at this point, but will be likely moving to full-time in 2014. He came on board, I believe, in December. And then as of January 1st, we incorporated the other agent who was looking to partner up. And she's got 30 years under her belt, and she is working also with sellers and buyers. So at this point, there are three of us working with sellers primarily and some buyers. And then we have two full-time and one part-time buyer agents. How are you compensating your buyer's agents? They are on a split. They start at a lower split for the first three or four or five transactions. They basically follow me through and don't do anything, but they get a split. And then from there, for the next three, four, five, we increase that, and then they stay at that level. And then any business that they self-generate, they get a 10% on top of that. It works to their benefit to be bringing in business of their own as well. What percentage are you paying at the beginning, at the preliminary, and then at the final stage? They start at 40, and then they move to 50, and they stay at 50 forevermore. I pay all of their fees, so that is truly 50% to them. You know, like I pay all of the team fees and everything out of that, as well as their monthly statements to Remax. So they have no expense on that 50% other than uh, probably about $1,100 a year for their realtor fees. When you say virtual assistants, are these people that are living in your area but working out of their home, or are these people that are on the other side of the world? They are on the other side of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Where are they from? Uh, They are all from the Philippines. Why did you decide to go that route, and how did you make it happen? That's a great question. Um, I have had assistants in the past. I had an assistant in my office who was fantastic, and then she got pregnant and left. And then I had 
another assistant who was in the office and that one just didn't work out and upset on that. <laughs> and then at some point I did have a virtual assistant here in the States and she was actually a realtor. However, her husband coached college football. So because they moved frequently, she was looking to stay active in real estate, but not in sales. So she was a great fit for me. And I don't even remember exactly how we transitioned. I think she started doing some other things because she was not exclusive for me at that point. So I went back to having someone in the office again. And when that a year and a half later or so just was not any longer working and attitudes had changed and so forth, we had to explore some other options. So as part of my interview process, I was interviewing people locally, but also virtually and decided to just explore that as an option again. How do you put out a search advertisement to find a virtual assistant on the other side of the world. You know, well, what is that process? Did you go through a service? Did you just put an ad in the paper in the Philippines? How does that work? <laughs> no, there's, there's multiple services out there for realtors. There's one called myoutdesk.com. Those folks actually will give a basic real estate training to the folks that are on there, on their service. I explored that. I liked what they had to offer, but I prefer to do my own training from ground up and felt that I'd rather have people who need the money, earning the money directly rather than paying, you know, a big increase in that amount to someone just for finding them. So I went with Odesk. It's O-D-E-S-K.com. And I heard Dave Ramsey mention them one time and decided to check it out. You can essentially hire just about any service you could possibly need for any type of business need. And it can be on a one-time trial basis. It can be a flat fee basis. It can be hourly. It can be temporary. It can be part-time. It can be full-time or it can be permanent. So I really like the flexibility there. And it also removed from me the job of having to worry about employer taxes and so forth because you set that all up with Odesk and they handle everything. So there's no having to do, you know, quarterly filings and everything. You can set people up as a 1099 contractor or as a W-2 if they're doing work exclusively for you. So that's been a great fit. Are the folks that are working for you, are they exclusive and in the W-2 category or are they independent and in the 1099 category? They are in the W-2 at this point. So you have actual employees. That's interesting. You have an employee that's on the other side of the world. And so you need ODES to help keep all of the, the tax situation straight for you. Yep. They handle all of that. And they also beautifully provide, which is huge when you're just hiring someone. They charge per keystroke almost. Kind of hard to explain, but basically if you're employee or your 1099 contractor is working at the computer and they're keystroking every so often and they're, you know, diligently working, they're going to be paid during the time that they're working. But if they walk away from the computer, I don't even remember what the time increment is, but if they're gone from the computer for any certain amount of time, you're not being billed for that time. So for example, if they walk away to feed a child lunch and they forget to come back for 45 minutes or they get interrupted, there's no billing going on. So you're paying for actual worked time, which is a huge, huge benefit. And you can actually log in to their site on Odesk and manage your team, and you can actually view the screenshots of what they've been working on. So for example, I might use that if I'm online and they're not online currently, 
I might say, wow, I'm not sure if they got that ad done or not. Did I remember to tell them that? I can actually look at any point in time and see what their screenshots were. I think it captures every few minutes. And you can see kind of, you know, which which screens they had open, what they were working on. So that's been great. Is there a cost benefit to working with people in the Philippines rather than the U.S.? There absolutely is. And I get asked that a lot because everyone knows that I like to, um, just like I said with the mini golf and ice cream, I love to support local business. Quite frankly, I just kind of got tired of, I guess you could say the work ethic. You know, there's not... It's challenging. It's very challenging to find people who are diligent and looking for work and going to honestly work. That's been my experience, and I can appreciate that everyone else may not have had that experience. So I just decided to look at all options. And for me, I went online when I narrowed it down to these few, and they ended up having to be from the Philippines. I went online and kind of did my own salary searches and everything so I could see you know, what does a school teacher make? What does an airline pilot make? What do these different career choices make so that I could compensate them accordingly for their climate that they're in? So I'm paying them very well. They're very happy, but I'm also not overcompensating them where it will create a problem. How much are you compensating them? I pay them each individually. We have a starting rate that we start them at, and then I've increased them and bonus them accordingly from there. So at this point, I'm paying my two full-time people about the equivalent of what I was paying my one full-time person here. So I've almost got a two-to-one ratio. So it's about half the cost of what you would pay when you tried all these experiments with people falling out, but you had all these people in your office. It's about half of that to get one person in the Philippines. It really depends. Again, I chose to go with people who had no experience but I I always figure if someone's got a great attitude and they want to learn, I can teach them anything. If they don't have a great attitude, I don't care what they know. (laughs) It's probably not going to work for us. And so, you know, I was able to hire well, and it's amazing. One of the other folks that I interviewed actually had a master's degree, and his rate that he bid the job on was like a dollar an hour, and he was from India. So that ended up not working out for different reasons. I chose these people instead. But there's a wealth of people who are very, very intelligent and genuinely looking for work. And I have just had nothing but a positive experience in being able to help them. You know, they thank me frequently for changing their families' lives. It's given them possibilities. My web tech that I just hired, you know, many people may remember that the Philippines went through a very traumatic earthquake this year. And the place where he was working actually was affected by that. So he was not working when he started working for me. So it's just a whole different attitude when you're really changing someone's life and they can appreciate it. And they absolutely are changing ours as well. So it's been a great fit for us. And even though it's less expensive than hiring someone here, as you mentioned, the living standards are different there. And so by you paying half of what you would pay in America, it's still much more than they might make in their home country. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I think it's important when you get into those international settings, you need to be familiar with what they're accustomed to and what is fair wage there. Because I've heard horror stories both ways of people not paying enough or, you know, trying to cheat them out. I want to be absolutely fair and I want them to be compensated well and to be happy working for me. How long have you had these virtual assistants? How long have you had the relationships? 
It's been about a year with these two. And then the third one just came on at the end of 2013. It's a pretty good track record. About a year and they're sticking with you and it all seems to be working out. They're absolutely brilliant. Quite honestly, how they can grasp how this whole business works when it's so different from the world they live in is completely beyond me. (laughs) But they truly do absolutely run our business and run it well. And we get compliments all the time from other agents, co-op agents and so forth saying, wow, they were so on top of things and we really appreciate. And I had a closing about a month ago and the agent said, I've never, and this is an agent who's been in the business a very long time, he said, I've never had that kind of communication through a transaction with another agent. And that's, you know, the systems we've built and these people taking pride in the job that they have of making sure that everything is done the way it needs to be done. The Philippines, they speak English and they speak an English dialect that's very similar to ours in America, right? They absolutely do. And they can actually call free through Skype. So we do a lot of our online scheduling for showings and everything actually online within the MLS. But if they need to pick up the phone and call, they absolutely can, you know, do Skype and call over here and have a conversation with agents. That was one of my main criteria for the people that I hired was that they had excellent English. And you can find out very quickly based on uh, email or messaging back and forth kind of what their grammar's like. But then we also obviously do video calling as well for our interview process. And that's really helpful to hear how they speak and how they relate to people. I assume that Odesk helped you with that interview process and help you select the right person. They did not. That was completely on my own. I basically posted a very generic ad. And I, it's almost comical, really. I think I posted something like, you know, office assistant for the real estate business. Some weeks, maybe five hours. Some weeks, maybe 40. This could be part-time. This could be full-time. It might be temporary. It could lead to permanent. I mean, I was very, very noncommittal. And then also said, you know, required things would be excellent English spoken and written experience with certain programs, you know, Microsoft Word or whatever things you want them to have experience with. And I really kept it that generic. And then you can set your pay scale. You can set if you have a preference from where in the world you want them to come from. There's a lot of different ways you can set that up when you're actually posting. So I try and narrow it down because you do get bombarded with a lot of people. I don't typically include a pay scale. I let people kind of say, I mean, I put it within within limits. You can set kind of a bracket on your pay scale, but I kind of let people bid their own, you know, this is what it, this is what I would do the job for. And it's worked well for us. Did you post that ad through Odesk or somewhere else? I posted that directly on Odesk. And then I basically, same interview process you do here, you get the resumes in where people say, thanks for allowing me to apply to your trucking company. So, you know, they didn't even read the ads, so those go right in the trash, <laughs> in the circular file. And, you know, you can quickly weed out through there. And then I tried to narrow it down to, I think I narrowed it down to about five. And I probably did video interviews of four and ended up with one initially. So... After you find them and get them hired, I'm going to fast forward a little bit, and you're actually working. You mentioned that you do a training with them, you do your own training, and then you must also have some type of management system. So number one, how did you do the training to get them up and running? Just a quick synopsis. And number two, how often do you talk with them to make sure they're on track? Great questions. We use join.me, which no surprise anymore, that is a free program. (laughs) It's 
just you go to your website and type in join.me on my Mac. It's actually an app that you use, and that allows them to screen share. So in my initial process of training, I was able to walk them through, and I made it their job to document every single thing that I did. So it was really up to them to know what the procedures were and what the steps were to get those tasks completed. And, you know, I think people think it's ultra time consuming, but in reality, if you're training someone in in your office and they don't have any knowledge of real estate, the process really is no different. I'm a fast typist. I don't know if that makes a difference, but really it's not, it was not overwhelming to me at all. We use join.me so they can see my screen and I would just move them through. So initially they were not in receipt of my passwords and my logins and everything because I wanted to make sure that they were going to be a fit for me first. Of course, that's very important to keep everything secure so they could watch my screen. I always have Skype running alongside that. So if they had questions or needed me to pause or whatever, they could go back and, you know, instant message me through Skype so I could see that they needed help with something. But that was, that's really one of our biggest tools in training. Frankly, I rarely use that anymore a year in because they have such a solid understanding at this point of what needs to happen in the processes and they've made their own checklists, which are very comprehensive as to how to do every single thing. So I've tasked them to create, if you will, a procedures manual based on when I ask you to do this task, here's the step-by-step that even a fourth grade student could follow through such a detailed checklist and accomplish those tasks. So that's been great. And then how often do you stay in touch with them? Are, are you constantly on Skype with them every day or once a week? Do you have some kind of team meeting with them or is it one-on-one? What we do is every time that we are online, they are instructed to have Skype open so that I'm aware and I can see that they're online. At this point, we pretty much have a system down and I know what hours they're working during the day, you know, during any 24-hour period, I know when I can expect them online. But when I'm online and actually by my computer, I have my Skype open so that they can access me and ask me questions or whatever is needed. So we are in communication. We have a thread open, typically a conversation thread open between me and each one of them individually. But we also keep a thread running that has all four of us so that when we're all, the three of them and myself are online, I can see who's online and who's not, and we can correspond accordingly. Well, that sounds like that's worked really well with your virtual assistants. Sounds like it's been a great system for you. It has been phenomenal. For the first time in my entire career, I have taken my first seven days away from the office, completely unplugged, on a cruise, had no internet access, no phone, no anything, and they just carried on unbelievably. Of course, I had my team physically on the ground here if something was needed, but we do we do pretty much everything paperlessly, like I said earlier, so there's just very little that they can't handle in my absence besides the obvious tasks that need a licensed person to do them, but it was a great experience, and I intend to do it again next January. We're already booked. Jennifer, we were talking about your team and the growth. I just want to confirm. So last year you closed 100 transactions. How many of those did you close yourself? I closed 76 of those myself. Wow. So this really is showing growth. And your goal for the upcoming year is to close how many? Our goal for this year is 200. We may exceed that. We overshot our goal income-wise. So you know, some of that's been transitional and bringing on virtual people and losing the big expenses on the back end with stateside um, employees as well. But yeah, our goal is 200 transaction sides for 2014. Are you profitable? We absolutely are. 
2013, we had a 71% profit margin, which I was pretty pleased with. We had a couple in-office assistants, which were high dollar, and that was a costly process for us over the course of a couple months. And we've also adjusted our advertising processes a little bit, so I believe that we'll exceed the 71% profitability this year. That is fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I was pretty happy with that. I can't remember what the average is anymore, but I was happy with that number. Jennifer, what drives you? I've heard other of your callers do their affirmations. I do my affirmations daily, and I, I just feel that we're all here for a reason. May I go through my affirmations real quick? Sure, that'd be great. These are just my read every day, a little short, quick Um, My first one is that time is short. My family time is scheduled into my calendar and does not get interrupted. My second one is that I pray, read, and reflect daily on who God has created me to be and how I can live each day to the fullest. My third is givers win, always. I share freely with others in order to help others achieve their goals. And my fourth is that my business is centered on helping people achieve their goals, whether team members or clients. The more successfully I do this, the more success I realize personally, as well as the greater gift of contentment and satisfaction, knowing that I make a difference in the lives of those around me. And I think that's really what drives me. I've never been out to do more business than any one person. I think that we're all on our own journeys. And like the phrase that you see sometimes, you can't compare your chapter three with someone's chapter 20. We're all at different stages in our lives and processes. And it's just important to do your best. I really believe that people who work with us are served well. I know that we do care about them. We don't view them as a number. You know, it makes me crazy to hear people talking sometimes about, oh, well, you know, this this transaction, $3,000, this transaction, $7,000. It doesn't matter to me. Of course, we all need to make a paycheck, but people should be valued. And I think that as a team, we represent that well. So that's really what drives me. I feel that we can help people and making the connection between them and their house that they love or their house that they need to leave and helping them reach their goals is really something that we do well and we love doing. So that's really, that's my driving force, I guess. (laughs) Jennifer, why have you been so successful? Wow. Um, You know, I think overall I'm just a student. I recognize that I'm very visionary, but I'm not great at coming up with my own systems. I was blessed to have started coaching with Richard Robbins' organization early on in the business, and they absolutely set me up very well with getting systems in place and stressing the importance of that. You know, I just, I choose to continue. I love these calls. I love to listen to what other agents are doing and seeing what things maybe I can pull out of those calls that would help us to be able to help more people or better serve people. And I don't know. I think that's probably the key right there. We actually... We love what we do, and I'm absolutely blessed that I can say that every morning I'm excited to get out of bed and see what, see what I can do with my career that day. If you're going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? I think coaching is huge. People look at it as a big cost, but really the investment, if you've got a good coaching company, is unbelievable. Having mentors, finding people who you can relate freely with, and share your challenges and get redirected. You know, it's helpful to not think that we're just in our own little bubbles, but if you find people that will also help you by 
telling you things that have worked for them or not worked for them. I think that was a huge thing for me with coaching was just learning that, you know, if I had an idea, I could say, I'm thinking about doing this kind of mailer. And they could say, well, let me just tell you what we found on a national level. Why don't you tweak it like this or think about doing this or maybe give this some consideration? That was really huge because I feel like that gave me shortcuts to things that were more worthwhile more quickly. And the other huge part is just discipline and time blocking. I am a huge believer in time blocking and that is my my life is um, structured, but the structure allows freedoms that I didn't know I could have before. So that's fantastic. Jennifer, do you think the top agent interviews like the one you're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? 100%. Absolutely. I absolutely love to just hear what other people are doing. And there's so much knowledge and wisdom out there. And, and, you know, I think that you don't always interact with those people on a daily basis. So being able to tap into these calls has just been a huge blessing. I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts? Looking at ways that you can make things work instead of ways that you can't make things work. I find that there's a lot of times that agents will say, well, that, I couldn't do that, or I don't know how to do that, or I'm, I don't, I'm not tech savvy enough to get that. Or, you know, you have to really open yourself up to believe for the possibilities that are out there so that you can incorporate them and better your own life. You know, by, by my thinking outside the box, I've got phenomenal people on the other side of the planet who have greatly rocked our world. <laughs> and yeah, I would never go back. When you're looking at all of your different business practices and what you want to do, it's important to always have your sights set long-term and know kind of what you're – it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day and all of the ups and downs of this business. But when you really look at the lives you're impacting and how you can help, it just gives a whole diff- different perspective on life. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit that when my mom passed in 2007, that kind of forever changed my life's perspective in realizing that we're, we're not here. We're not permanent fixtures here. So <laughs> we need to be focused on what, what we can do to help others. Well, Jennifer, you've built your business on helping others and enjoying the process at the same time. Instead of going wide, you went deep. You developed rich, meaningful, deep relationships with a small group of people that has resulted in one closing for every three people in your database. Your willingness to take a risk and think outside the box has resulted in dedicated team members who live on the other side of the planet. Your tight control of expenses leaves you with an admirable 71% net profit margin. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who may be the most productive real estate agent of all time and has sold over 10,000 properties in his career. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV 
R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.